0: Well, we're so pleased you're sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS on air. At the end of every show, we bring you Take Ten with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known expert in addictions and caregiving, a well-known therapist, and with us as well, Carol Zernial, the chairman of the board of the National Council on Aging and executive director of the Well Med Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron. One of the issues that uh, we have talked about, but rarely, is the whole question of post caregiving, Carol. What does that mean?
1: Well, post-caregiving is when you're finished being a caregiver. So imagine taking care of someone with cancer very intensely for a number of years or somebody with Alzheimer's, somebody with Parkinson's, and that person, you know, passes on and you no longer have that caregiving responsibility. So you go from 24-7 caregiving day after day, year after year to what do you go to? I mean, if all of your you you know caregivers get become so isolated, your friends have stopped calling you a long time ago because you were never available to do anything. Um, You don't have your hobbies anymore. You're not working anymore. You've your all of your energy has gone into caring for this person, and suddenly you wake up and and it's like with nothing. With nothing, it's like within the child empty nest syndrome. You wake up. I was mom. Now who am I? So this is it's a big deal, is it not, Jamie?
2: well it is carol and and um you know grief is always a big deal and and losses in, as we grow older um uh, usually really come back to haunt us if we don't clinically attend to them i guess the the concept that uh, i i always mention is that we're doomed to recreate these dramas until we intervene on them and so when it comes to a caregiver and and, and their loved one passes you know this as well as i do and your work with caregiver sos emphasizes is that you know Grief is complicated. Losses is, is probably even more complicated when you're a caregiver because you don't only lose your loved one, which is a tremendous challenge. You you lose your full time job.
1: And so it's it's like um, when you when you do lose your full time job, think of the men and women in this country who have lost their job during the recession. And 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 who are you if I'm not the person that does this every day? Then who am I?
0: Well, some of them who have lost their jobs. Don't tell their family and they go through the motions as if they have a job. Do caregivers who are no longer caregiving, Jamie, go through those motions?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I wish they did, Ron. I think you bring up a great point. What I would wish they'd do is then adopt themselves as their caree, as their care receiver, uh, as opposed to go off and to become detached. And just like Carol said, you know, and compound the isolation which caregiving already brings. The most beautiful thing would be if, if, they, if, if they could be mentored and supported to come back and, and resume caregiving in the same passionate, fair, consistent way that they took care of their loved one. And and that's what the the quest at hand. And I think that's the beauty of like the WellMed Charitable Foundation and what Caregiver SOS tries to do by creating this community whereby you have people who have gone through this, post caregiving, if you will. And the greatest thing we could possibly do, after obviously we've acknowledged and honored their their grieving, their loss is to bring them back and reattach it back to something spiritual, something meaningful, something purposeful, which is actually another caregiver who is going through the same thing.
1: So a lot of times you will find in like an Alzheimer's support group that one person in the support group is so helpful. is actually someone who has lost their loved one, cared for him for years, and that's kind of their transition is they're still coming to the support group and they're passing on what they learned and what they knew Uh, and supporting other caregivers that are on that same situation. That's a very positive way to channel that energy. It's very helpful for the other caregivers. Um, And and then you'll see after a period of time, they may stop coming to the support group and stop helping because they've moved through that now. They're ready to go on to something else. It gave them purpose. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a transition period. Uh, what is,
2: and what we have to do in this transition period, actually, we have to, we collectively, us quote-unquote professionals, if you will, professional caregivers who understand the power of caregiving, is what we what would be nice is to bring them back and, and explain and, and can support the notion that caregiving, which, which what they just went through, is a powerful skill set. That it really is something that they've internalized, they've developed within themselves, and something they could actually showcase and reconnect, if you will, uh, to other caregivers. So that they see this on-the-job training and things like Alzheimer's, which will be 10 to 12 years sometimes, as opposed to ALS, which could be only a year. But this is like... They're, they're, this is what I call embracing the shadow. This is what I call going inside and, and being able to let go because you've acknowledged, A, the loss, B, the, the pain, but then you have tried to make sense of a situation which makes no sense at all.
1: Well, now that I've, I've read some policy recommendations, Jamie, that say we should uh, get caregivers who their loved ones have passed and they should become the direct care workforce. We should recruit all of them to become direct care workers. What do you think of that idea?
2: Well, that's interesting. That sounds like an easy way out for America, since there's 65 million providing 400 billion dollars of in-kind care. <laughs> um, I do believe that, that there's great merit in that workforce, I do believe that they are the experts, the black belts. Um, we actually started years ago a program that we went to forest um, laboratories with called Befrienders where we would take them or people who have lost their loved ones who which we know disproportionately they can go after a long marriage like the one Ron and Ron's mom and dad had, that people often go away and pass away six months a year after their loved one leaves and bring them back to befriend others. So I do think it's a voluntary thing. I certainly don't want to depend upon them for what I believe government should do, which is either educate parents and caregivers alike and make sense of it. Um, But I do think they are probably the best equipped to come back and do that.
0: Well, I was going to ask, might they not volunteer to help someone else
1: on their own? I think the, the volunteer portion or even the working portion, I just, you know, thinking of some poor caregiver who's been... Toting and lifting and transferring and doing all of those things for years, um, making them go and do that now, oh boy, for a minimum wage. <laughs> It's probably not the best reward for all that love and care that they gave someone. I don't want to get political
2: with you, but this direct care world is fraught with exploitation, and and, and Carol's 100% correct. I mean, um, it's bringing them back into this sort of snake pit, if you will, of direct care. If they were able to really develop their own job and not have a middle person and be able to be honored for their work and have benefits – Uh, That would be one thing. But to your point, Ron, you know, caregiving is also a time when, if we can get in touch with ourselves, self-care, we can get maybe into art and hobbies. And, And to Carol's point, maybe you don't want to come back and do any of this again, but maybe you've developed this off time to develop yourself, and you go off and do things that are really enriching
0: for yourself. Is this a common problem? I know my mother went through this after my dad died. Yeah, hope and purpose, don't you think, Carol?
1: Well, um, just the whole that, that feeling of what's next for me. You know, during, after any transition phase, it doesn't matter whether you've lost your job, you've lost a loved one, any transition period in your life where something dramatically changes you know, always is a startling, jolting effect, and, and we have to find a way to, to move on past that. So I, I would think, it, I think it's very common, but I think it's very unrecognized. You know, one of the things that we don't do well in this country anymore is dealing and facing death and allowing people to grieve. It used to be, I don't know, maybe, does anybody remember when we used to put black wreaths on doors when someone died and, um, you know, there was a period of mourning?
0: Well, if you're Orthodox Jewish, there's a, a period of mourning where you cover the mirrors and you... Uh, cut Your tie for the men, and you wear black ribbons. Uh, and the Orthodox Jews go through that, the reform, you know, 20 minutes of sitting shivan, it's over.
1: Well, that's why, well, so we, we don't have a time period. It used to be you had a, a you know, maybe a couple of months or a couple of weeks. And, and now it's like, ah, the funeral's over. You know, what's wrong with you? Wait. It's a, I think Joan, the late Joan Rivers, you know, always said, you know, when her husband committed suicide that, um, you know, anybody, if she if she said she had moved on, that was shame on her. And if she said she was still grieving, it's what's wrong with you? Um so you know, they there, can't there's win. no yeah there's no right answer. So I think it's I think it's very hard for caregivers because of the fact that they have been isolated that that this has been their role that it's just a very difficult situation to all of a sudden have the sunlight come flooding in um, and you are not no longer have to be someplace Um, And and do these activities. To Carol's
2: point, and and the best thing I think our our listeners could take away from this conversation totally is that you're isolated as a caregiver, just like Carol says, and it's important as a caregiver to stay connected because that isolation hurts you personally. It hurts you professionally because you're not out there networking in the way you will. So the takeaway, I believe, is that prior to a loved one passing and prior to them being put in a skilled nursing facility or assisted living, um, you need to be in a support group. You need to be able to be connected. And after... somebody passes, and after they're in a facility, my Lord, there is no need not to still be in, the, in a support group, because that reattaches you and reconnects you to society, and it also allows you, you know, to really grow and develop with others who have gone through what you've gone through.
0: You get the last word, Dr. Jamie Heisman. Thank you, Carol Zernial. I'm Ron Aaron. For Dr. Heisman and Carol, we will talk with you again soon on Caregiver SOS on air. Take 10, and why not?